Xavier is dead. Apocalypse reigns. This is the Age of Apocalypse. Welcome to Power of X-Men Apocalypse, the podcast where we review every single issue of the classic reality-warping high-octane epic X-Men crossover event known as Age of Apocalypse. Welcome, and we are on Chapter 1, uh, Issue 38 of X-Men, Smoke and Mirrors, by uh, Fabian uh, Nasizia and Andy Cooper. What's up? Mr. Scott Free is officially part of Power of X-Men. Wow. And you know, I'm I'm so happy. Uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be a part <laughs> of the experience. Um, and I I want to just apologize in advance for <laughs> inflicting me on <laughs> all of your listeners. And, uh, well, technically, now there are listeners. Our listeners. <laughs> Our listeners. <laughs> No, oh, I wait, mean, then, then I apologize for nothing. So <laughs> <laughs> Listen, no, everyone knows who you are. They know how salty and fun you are. And, you know, I really wanted to have like a season of, of direction with with the podcast, because I feel like right now, like the podcast has just been a reaction to everything that has been happening out there in the X world, but we don't really have a goal or anything in mind. And I'm obsessed with the nineties. I'm, I'm obsessed with age of apocalypse, obviously with like the new wave that came out from Hasbro. And I really just wanted the podcast to have like a goal in mind. Like I wanted us to go somewhere instead of just throwing out random, like issues that we are reviewing or covering like news and, and then I thought, like, well, I really love having a co-host to to speak and terrorize and traumatize yes. weekly. And um, share your like, trauma. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, who? Who? And obviously, I you were the first person, the first and only person I thought about. Thank you. Um, you know, I like we're both we're both children of the 90s. Um, and like I mean, what is more 90s than, like, the Age of Apocalypse and, like, you know, shoulder pads, hair, post-apocalypse. Um, <laughs> you get, like, all the great things. And um, I'm, I'm happy happy to be here, uh, happy to be part of this. And you're wearing, you're wearing the shirt that Art of Lucas yes. designed for us. Um, I don't know why I'm grabbing my, my shirts. <laughs> um, I, I am indeed wearing the shirt. Um, it's the... You can get it on Redbubble, so go get it. It looks so good. The logo was done by my brother, Nightfall. I I love it, love everything about it. I would not be wearing it uh, if I didn't. Um, well, it looks so good on you. I'm so jealous. Like, when I get it, it's not going to look nearly as, like, amazing. I'm, I'm already on the show. You don't have to flatter me anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I was going to say something salty, but like now I forgot what I was going to say. I was like, mm, mm. and our cover design, our new, you know, cover that you're seeing on the podcast with Ryan's logo was done by Rodrigo Marquez, who is a wonderful artist. You can go hit them up on Instagram at R O A S I F. 
They are absolutely amazing. My direction for him was Y2K Apocalypse. That's that's what I asked him to do. And he hit every single note. I love it. Every single note. So the shirt, Art of Lucas, the logo, Nightfall at Rai Rai Cosmos, and then Rodrigo did the cover for the podcast that you're seeing when you hit download or play or when you hit the subscribe button. I got to get better at saying hit the subscribe button. Subscribe, follow along. Do it. Do it. So I thought we could kick off with some X-Men news before we get into X-Men issue number 38, which is our first official chapter of Age of Apocalypse. But, you know, there's always a lot of X-Men news happening, especially now in the Krakoan age with the X-Men about to hit you know, the MCU, and I figure we can sure. talk about it. I mean, there's been a bit of news over the past, like, week or so. Um, I know Inferno um, issue number three is going to be delayed a little bit due mm-hmm. to, like, printing uh, issues across, like, the industry. Um, and I'm not... I think it's going to be pushed back what, like a month? Yeah, I think like the first week of December or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. But Jordan D. White said that for Adventures in Poor Taste on their X-Men Monday. And I think his quote was, I have it right here. I'm pretty sure every X book over the next month has been delayed a little bit, which is unfortunate. But I will just say it's not a delay in the process of making the book. The book's yeah. actually done. Inferno number three is done and ready to go. There's a lot going on in the industry right now that's causing some problems, but it will be out there for everybody. And I think you're going to love it. Ah, I, yeah, I like, I get it. Uh, it just builds up anticipation. Even, that's true. Even more. How do you feel about Inferno so far? Have we talked about it? Um, I think we talked about it briefly, yeah. but I'm not sure. Um, I have really been loving it. Um, it's hit a lot of notes for like tying back to like um, House of X, Powers of X, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of callbacks, a lot of like tying up some loose ends um, and like seeds that Hickman had planted earlier. And I really enjoyed uh, like the general sort of like tenor of it so far. Yeah, I I'm curious. I was talking about this with Mutant Musings podcast and I'm, is Inferno actually going to have an Inferno? <laughs> like, are we going to see something like physically burn or is this an emotional burn? I don't know which one like would scorch harder. But... Yeah. I mean, like are, are, is like Mystique going to get like, or Destiny going to get Pyro to like burn uh, Moira again? <laughs> uh-huh. That should traumatize Moira so much. I believe that the reason why she didn't want uh, any pre... Well, I have many theories, but one of them being uh, the reason why Moira doesn't want precogs is because she is so incredibly traumatized by what Destiny did to her in her... Was it her second or her third life? I think it was her third life. Yeah. Because second life is where the plane crashed when she went off to go see Xavier. Yeah. And then third one is where she learned and then she and then they they scorched her. But anyways, regardless, I think it is so personal with Moira. I think Moira's gonna come out being the bad guy in this. I mean, I, I think, yeah, like I I generally agree with that. Um like she's 
even like like Emma's reaction to like finding out about her, it's like Xavier, Moira, and um, Magneto are not making any friends with like all these revelations, and like it's only going to get worse as like more people learn about like Moira because it's inevitable that the rest of the council is going to learn about her. So, oh. get up. But can we talk about when like Emma just walks in and she's here like, you're Moira McTaggart. You're dead. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then she's here like, no offense, but what is a human scientist going to bring to the council? And then obviously she gets the, the info that Moira is not a human, but a mutant. It's, it was such a well done series. Yeah. I, I Listen, if it's delayed, it's delayed. I do believe the X office has their editorial schedule down tight and it's unfortunate. There's a global shipping delay for everything. And, and I think there's also a paper shortage in like publishing in general. That was, Yes. That was something I had to deal with when I was working at HarperCollins a couple of years ago. There's like only one paper factory left. I don't know if Marvel uses it. You know, you, you, you deal with the things that you can control and the things that you can't control. Uh, it just gives us more time to discuss and speculate like what's happening with like Colossus now that he's on the council and like is his shady brother still like manipulating him and just all the stuff all will be revealed exactly uh other x news marvel legends binary is shipping from robot kingdom and a couple of folks are already getting her um she is going to be available here in the u.s via walgreens and listen i make no grievance about this i hate fucking going to walgreens there is one on every fucking corner in this godforsaken city and every fucking time i have to hunt a legend figure there i hate it like danny moonstar was terrible the cuckoos were terrible because you had to get multiple ones of them mystique i only saw once and emma was pretty easy to find i, I will give that to emma but I am not looking forward to hitting up every single Walgreens in this fucking city just to get binary. And I want binary. That's the worst part of it all. Yeah. I mean, look, look it's, it's the thrill of the chase. <laughs> um, you know, you, 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 look, and, and, I mean, are you, how else are you going to get your exercise? Otherwise, like just go <laughs> out, go from Walgreens to Walgreens. Uh, they sell water. You can stay hydrated. I, but I get exercise. I jog like six to eight miles every day. Well, then this should be no problem. <laughs> like, I mean, the entire island's not even like nine. I don't know, <laughs> I, I don't know geography, but like, just, just do it. Why well, jog in my neighborhood? I jog. I jog six to eight miles. Not, not necessarily the entire island, but um, listen. It's it's labor. Do you collect legends? I I don't know this about you. I I don't. I have like a handful. Um, I collect Funkos more. Oh, you're than a Funko legends. person. Yeah. Um, I did at New York Comic Con. I got an old legends. Let's see. Um, Quad. Uh, oh, classic the, Wonder Man. Yeah, and that's a variant. You got the chase. Yeah. Um, that's him. I don't know what you call his powers. That's him all like uh, Adam I, I, his, his ionic energy. Oh, ionic. That's the word I was reaching for. I'm like, uh, uh, the ionic energy. I call him like uh, Adam Dub. He's got a little Hank Pym with him, if that's your thing. That's a gross not. way to live. Um, but no, I'm, I'm more of like a, like a Funko guy. Um, so... 
Okay. Okay. Well, Marvel Legends Binary, let the hunt begin and may the odds ever be in your favor. I think also so, um, the new game, Midnight Suns, is going to be delayed, uh, they said, until the later half of 2022, probably. Yeah. Um, I think they, they pushed it back a couple of months, um, which, you know, like in, in the past year or two with like the games industry, there's been a couple of like big flops because things came out a little too mm-hmm. rushed. Cyberpunk. Um, so, like, I'm. <laughs> there he is. There, Pour there some salt on that wound right there. I didn't play Cyberpunk. I, I meant to, but I just didn't. It, it's it's like the the intent was there. Like it, yeah. it was good, but uh, like like the concept was good. But then you know you'll just be like driving and. I'll just think like, wow, that was really expensive for all the glitches and mistakes. And it's just like, if they take more time and like, I'm happy, like I'm okay with Midnight Suns and getting like my Wolverine like murder fix, <laughs> um, being a little delayed if it's not going to run into like yeah. big problems. I don't, so funny enough, my friend who I do auctioning with, her friend is working on the game. He's doing uh, level designs. And I was like, ooh, I want you on the podcast. <laughs> like, come on in. And you're like, sorry, <laughs> our publicity and marketing team needs to approve everything. And we're not doing any interviews just yet. And I, now I understand why, because the game has been pushed back. Yeah. I, listen, you, you, you have magic in the game. You have Wolverine. I, I, I know Midnight Suns casually through the comics i'm not going to sit here and be like oh i'm a diehard fan but i've read you know the series i've I've dipped a toe into the series and in its various incarnations before so i'm actually really excited for this i want to experience the whole thing the only thing that's just i'm not going to be a good person to play this game it's turn-based fighting and unless it's pokemon i just can't do turn-based fighting i can't mr scott free i can't uh, you know, I I respect that. Um, I I fundamentally disagree with it. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I love I love my my turn based. Um, you know, classic Final Fantasy, Dungeons and Dragons. Give me like turn order and initiative and all that shit. But you know, I respect your choice. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that's good. I didn't know that about you. And, and I actually really do like that. And, you know, Final Fantasy, I liked it as a kid playing Final Fantasy VII. I think the remake, I played a little bit of it. I can't, I think it is turn-based fighting. I think the, yeah. the remake is turn-based fighting. And you know what? It landed a, a lot better for me this time around. But listen, I, I drink a lot of vodka when I'm playing video games. I'm eating pizza. I just want to go in pure chaos slashing everything and i just want to be killed because i have no tact or anything so i mean that's just how it is for me but i'm i respect your decision as well to love turn-based fighting (laughs) uh the next big piece of news and this is going to be relevant for us especially in the coming weeks there is a rumor that the x-men animated series is is coming back or we don't know if it's going to be a revival a retooling or 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 just a straight up reboot but um the rumor comes from casey walsh who i didn't know who he was did you know who he was 
Oh. So um. he he's a comics kid on Twitter, and he's the editor-in-chief at Geeks Worldwide. And he okay. was on a podcast called Change My Mind Podcast. And his exact quote was, I don't know if it's something new, if they're retooling something. There was talk about a year ago that people involved with a certain theme song may have had conversations with a certain studio. And I did hear in 2023 that there's a possibly there's going to possibly be an animated project going into the works for Disney Plus and, you know, in reference to an, a potential X-Men project. So, yeah, I mean, that is that's exciting. I hope we do get a new X-Men animated series. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that would be exciting. I'd be interested to know, like you said, if it's just going to be a straight, like, this is going to be a reboot, is it going to be a continuation? Um, is it going to tie into, like, the MCU? Mm. Or, but probably not, because they're probably not going to introduce the X-Men through like a random cartoon so it'll it'll be interesting to see like if it pans out and like what direction they're going to go in yeah like is it going to be like a what if scenario where you have that 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 kind of animation style and then it's going to tie into the general mcu or is it going to be like an offshoot like I'm, I God, I can't even think about like what X-Men or excuse me, any Marvel animated projects that are going on right now that are just not tied to the MCU. But, you know, like Ultimate Spider-Man, all those like Avengers, Earth's Mightiest Heroes. Are they just yeah. going to be one off cartoons that have their own continuity and universe? That's what I'm hoping it's going to be. I've in the past drilled the Leewalds. I just did an in-person event with Larry Houston. I have asked to death about them being involved in such a project. They're being tight-lipped. They haven't confirmed it. They've said we would love to. That's what they always say. So let's see where it goes. But I think I think maybe we will have a chance to ask Lee Wolves in a in a couple of weeks. I think mm, maybe 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 possibly possibly. All right, Scott. This is it. We are literally kicking off our Age of Apocalypse reading, like right now with X-Men number 38, which is officially the first chapter, according to marvel.com, officially the first chapter in the Age of Apocalypse saga. Um, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the kickoff, uh, both to the Age of Apocalypse and to this new era of uh, Power of X-Men. Uh, it's very fitting. I really so I never read this as part of my Age of Apocalypse read. It is anthologized in the Legion Quest hardcover, which I have like right here. And there are other issues too that were in here that I was like, why? Apart from having to fill up a hardcover, I don't know why these issues were here. Yeah, and it will just be like, to be blunt, I think part of why this is considered is just the for the random the scene of legion in the hospital in tel aviv mm-hmm. um because otherwise like if you remove that you know it's, it's an interesting issue but there's no other connection to age of apocalypse or legion quest or any of the stuff that's going to come it's just like here's like an early 90s x-men story <laughs> Um, and like, you know, 
all the the beats of like '90s X Men, like the Legacy Virus and everything, and beasts being smart. And, um, Can I tell you, know. you something? I really loved Beast in this issue. <laughs> this is how I like my Beast. Mad scientist Beast who's quoting Shakespeare and is just locked up trying to cure the legacy virus. He's not trying to prove our boy Cyclops wrong. He isn't grabbing teenagers from you know the past and bringing them into the present and lying to them. He yeah. isn't joining the Inhumans or the Avengers and being on anyone else's side other than you know his fellow mutants. I just I feel there there are a couple qualms I do have with him and how him and Bobby interact in this issue that we'll get into. But overall, I really did enjoy this issue. And I think with, when we were discussing, you know, what do we want to cover for Age of Apocalypse? I, we wanted to start from that very first vision that, that um, Legion has all the way through to those bombs dropping. And, and that feels like a very, you know, covering every single aspect of Age of Apocalypse. And, you know, I... I think with this issue, I appreciate that they at least planted that seed there initially because something like Hawksbox just happened. Like there was no build up to Krokoa. It just no. came in one day. That's it. The X -Men, Uncanny X-Men ended and then the X-Men relaunched the following month and that's it. They were just on an island and you had to accept it. Age of Apocalypse, they, they planted the seeds for this editorially. Yeah, um, it's... Uh, it's it's much more reminiscent of earlier events, um, you know, particularly when when big events become a thing in like the '80s, like Secret Wars from Marvel or Crisis on Infinite Earths from DC. It was like these were teased out for like months rather than just like suddenly um, suddenly appearing, suddenly happening. And like you can you can definitely see that with this, which like as you just said is a real contrast to like. Uh, House of X, Powers of X now, which if you were reading Uncanny before it ended, like, there was no indication that, like, Krakoa and all that was um, was coming. So, like, I, I do, I like this because there is the setup. There are the hints. And, like, going back now and reading it in retrospect, like, if you read this at the time, it's just like, oh, it's just like a legion in the hospital. Okay. And now it's like, oh, it's legion in the hospital. And boom, right there. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. There, they, so we know editorially the story was planned for. And now there are multiple, we, there are multiple conflicting stories of how Age of Apocalypse came to be from an editorial perspective. One of them, you know, the Lee Walds went in to go pitch One Man's Worth, which is an episode in the X-Men animated series that we will be covering, of course. And they they pitched it to Marvel. Marvel loved it so much that they were like, oh, let's make sure we bring this into the comic books. And then Scott Lobdell denies that editorial gave them an Age of Apocalypse mandate. He says that he came up with it and go listen to that. So, you know, either way, Age of Apocalypse was planned for and they knew what they wanted to do and it was going to shake, shake up the books. And so even here in X-Men 38, at least the seed was planted for it. Yeah. Uh, the, the seed was planted. I mean, I know people like, as you said, people disagree over where the, the, uh, 
the genesis, so to speak, of Age of Apocalypse came from. Um, but it, it was it was definitely the groundwork was definitely being being laid. So X Men thirty eight, I felt was a jumping on point for new readers, but. To give a little backstory for folks who are doing the read along with us, the X Men have just come out of like Fatal Attractions, uh, the Felix Covenant, Gene and Scott's Wedding, the Adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix, and Generation X is in its infancy yeah. right now. So all of this is sort of where the X Men are at when this issue picks up, and it picks up with Xavier, Gene, and Cyclops in front of the school saying, we're going to rename the school, the Xavier Institute for higher learning. And I didn't, I, I didn't even know this until I was doing a deep dive into the issue, but it was originally called Xavier school for gifted youngsters, which of course I knew that, but I didn't know that this was very significant in that they were changing the name for the first time to the Xavier Institute for higher learning. So I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, this is, yeah, it's it's one of those things where, like, in retrospect, I, you know, I, I don't think about that, but in, like, retrospect, through all those years and, like, really iconic stories like Dark Phoenix and, you know, stuff in the 70s and the 80s, like, the school had the same name. And it's like, this is the first time that they actually change it. And um, it's like, okay, yeah. I mean, you know, it's probably some recognition that, like, the pupils are now... I mean, Scott and Gene at this point are like what, like late twenties. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they come across so old. I don't know why, but yeah, they they should be about twenty six in this. But yeah, so just a general summary of this issue. It's just a slice of life in this zany school. Beast is in his lab. Gene and Psylocke are training. Sabretooth is in the danger room with Gambit. And Bobby and Rogue are living their best life by the pool and being salty towards each other. And it's it's a very this is a very self-contained issue. Um, like you said, it's it's after all of these events. I mean, the big the two big references to like outside events are um, like Hank. Um, Hank with the legacy virus mm. and like in the wake of um, like executioner's song yeah. and some of the, the other, you know, the strife related stuff. And um, also uh Sabretooth, who's not normally on or with the X-Men being there. Um, like those are, if, if, if you were just going in with no, knowledge of other stuff going on in X-Men. Those would probably be the two sort of confusing things, but otherwise it is a really good, just like slice of life jumping on point um, that again, in like retrospect is teeing up like the start of like the age of apocalypse um, as opposed to dealing with like some of these other, you know, ongoing uh, plots. Um, the, the Bobby, the Bobby and rogue stuff was, was funny. Uh, but it was also like, um, you know, interesting to see Rogue basically telling like Bobby, like you're a grown ass man, like get your get your shit together, um, like you're not a child. They are so mean to Bobby in this yeah. in this issue. I I have such strong feels about that. What what what? Let's kick off with the prologue, yes. where. 
um, Scott, Jean, and Xavier are in front of the school's new sign, Xavier Institute for Higher Learning. And they're just talking about everything they've been through and how nice it is to kind of be back. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, Jean's like, oh, it's like our wedding was like a breath of like, like fresh air. And now everything's like, like changing. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's like, it, it's, it's, it is interesting to just be like, they're back. It's like three of the core savior Cyclops and uh, Gene and like none of the sort of like, like later editions. It's like in, in many ways, these three are like the heart of, you know, a lot of the X-Men stories and trauma. And it's just, it's, it's, it's nice to start with like them considering everything before bringing in like all the other characters. I love how they're looking at the new sign. First of all, I think the art is so beautiful because you can see yeah. the reflection in it. And then um, I think it's Jean who says, Scott's right. It does lend a certain air of dignity to the old place. And then Scott says, till you get past the gates and see Gambit riding around on his Harley. <laughs> yeah. Which is like, Oh Yeah. Um, because you know Scott doesn't have a motorcycle, um, and um, yeah, it, or you know, like Xavier, it, it, like the the art is beautiful, but like the the close up of like Xavier is very to me is just like weirdly like sinister, where he's like, oh yeah, um, you know, lowercase sinister, not capital S sinister, where he's just like. You know, even our, our directions and the goals we can strive towards, uh, everything can be seen in a more positive light. But he looks like angry, and it's just like, okay, mm -hmm. okay, relax, Charles. Uh, <laughs> everything's moving in like a positive direction. Um, yeah, he is not yet onslaught, but it, you know, I can see where he's being very sinister here. And it, and it's Xavier in the nineties. He's a big old jerk, and he's just like pouting there in the, his mansion. You know. <laughs> Is, yeah, has it, his school hasn't gone the way he's wanted it. Ah, yes the the school in your ancestral mansion that you <laughs> uh, that you self fund isn't going in like the right direction and is probably unaccredited. By the way, Charles, um, I'm sure oh, the yeah. New, New York State Department of Education would would like a word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's right there. Mm. Um, and then, so, you know, Cyclops, you know, says it's easy for you to say, both of you to say your scheduled, you know, training sessions with Psylocke while I'm stuck, you know, guarding Sabretooth. And Gene says, poor fearless leader, Slim Summers. I guess the more things change, my love, the more they stay the same. Again, the scene, this is everything I love about the X-Men feeling like a school and a family. Just epitomized right here with those three for everything you just said. I mean, this, this is, you know, it goes into Beast in his lab. Um, this is classic, um, like, 80s, 90s Beast, where he's, you know, he's hanging upside down. He's quoting Shakespeare. Mm. Um, you know, he's doing, like, multiple things at once. He's, you know, analyzing the legacy virus. Um, he's making fun of Staten Island. Like, he's hitting all of his, like... All, all the notes. Um, 
and, and like th this is the one bit where I was getting at where it's like if you're unfamiliar with like broader X-Men um, after Strife who's Cable's clone from the future unleashes the legacy virus um, which is a, a terrible uh, like plague that primarily affects mutants um, they're dealing with the aftermath of like the legacy virus and beast is analyzing it and there's multiple strains and science stuff i, don't, I was a history major i don't know um he's doing <laughs> yeah. science the science stuff went over my head too yeah uh until um you know bobby comes knocking on the door um and like you know he he, he interrupts hank um talking about how smart hank is uh and you know beast one of beast's favorite topics is to discuss how smart dr hank mccoy phd um is he goes you know yes yes i am a genius i am a genius it's like tone down tone it down, <laughs> tone it down uh, sis. yeah um and you know bobby's Bobby's lonely. Bobby wants to hang out with his friends. And uh, he basically, you know, Beast tells him, he doesn't even call him Bobby. He goes, Robert, Robert. Uh, I'm doing science, Robert. Um, so why don't you, uh, like, go do whatever it is you're going to do, Robert, because I'm doing science, because I'm Dr. Robert. Hank McCoy. He was so dismissive of bobby in this and it really this is where listen i love beast in this as i said earlier i this is a beast i love right here but i'm like you're such a fucking asshole your friend is reaching out to you and bobby is going through all the trauma that just happened with emma hijacking his body and showing that she is able to use his powers in ways he never even thought about how to use his power. So he's questioning his self-worth. And obviously we know at this point he isn't out yet. So he's having a lot of issues with that internally. And he has a lot of issues with his mutant identity. And now not only does he have issues, you know, coming to terms with who he is, but now everything he's done isn't good enough. And Bobby here is literally in his like, <laughs> these little red shorts and chancletas like coming to his friend and being like hey like i really just need to talk i mean and we're not talking this is like banshee coming to beast to have like a conversation you're like eh. this is like oh five going to oh yeah. five like they have this rapport and bobby is like the baby of the group like I feel like if the tables were turned and he had gone to Cyclops, Cyclops, though very emotionless, would at least try to give him like a pat on the back, being like, they're there, you know? Yeah, like, but hey, Hank champ. is just straight up like, yeah. goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah, Bobby shows up in like his little like Sean Cody kind of <laughs> get up. And, and, and Hank just like doesn't have uh, any time for it. And like, yeah, he could have gone to Cyclops and, you know, I mean, he would have gotten more from that i mean you could have gone to like warren who's like feral at this point um, yeah warren would have been better than beast but like yeah, and he's yeah uh, like uh, i i i agree with like i like this beast i like this beast a lot more than like let's take over a latin american country kind of <laughs> beast um but he's still very just like 
dismissive of Bobby early he's on. Socially inept. I mean, this yes. is like it's fine. He's such a zany scientist that he doesn't know how to identify with humans, or excuse me, fellow mutants or you know friends. But uh, just a couple things to note: the the legacy virus apparently, from what I was able to decipher in all this like medical jargon, has morphed into like three different variants, and you know we know the variants can affect humans now and at the time moira mctaggart is considered a human editorially speaking she she was written as a human ally and and she i don't know if she's infected with the legacy virus yet but she will eventually get infected with the legacy virus and you can even see in some of the art there it says moira mctaggart so I'm assuming that's some of her research. The one thing that I have a question mark on this, when Bobby's knocking on the door of the lab, he does like a little ice sculpture with his finger. Is that Emma? Is that X-Factor Gene or is that Rogue? I don't know who the girl is that he's that he, he sculpted. I, yeah, I, I, I thought at first it was X-Factor Gene mm-hmm. because of the like the uniform. It looks like Gene's X-Factor form but um it, it could be emma that could be emma's like well, white queen yeah i thing. thought new x-men emma but this is way before this new is X-Men. before yeah so i don't know who that's supposed to be but is it rogue because he's gonna go meet rogue at the pool and maybe that's just like a really bad you know not i don't think it's bad art but i just think maybe it's just a bad interpretation of her current jim lee look i don't know but if anyone knows who that is supposed to be please let us know. But it looks like generic, you know, X person there. So I didn't quite know. But my favorite part of the issue is the next chapter, which is the Rogue chapter. And Rogue is going into the pool and she's telling Bobby, don't pull any hijinks. I'm going to dive into the pool right here. And she goes, she like jumps off the diving board, is going straight down and whoops, Bobby froze the pool and now she is furious and she reads Bobby to filth and just saying that, um, what does she say? She says here, no, better yet. I'll just let you live since everyone knows just being you is punishment enough. And then Bobby's like, whoa, that was a low blow, wasn't it? And Rogue is like, maybe you deserve it, Bobby. <laughs> I've been through everything. Uh, I, hang on. Like, I've been through what you have been every day of my life and know how lost you feel on the inside. Your mind scrambled. Your confidence is shot. But you got one big advantage. I don't, boy. And it, it's just such a powerful scene. And then Bobby is like, well, maybe you need to stop fighting with Gambit. <laughs> like, they are nasty to each other in the scene. Like, like Bobby's you know, talking about like, oh, how hard, you don't know what it's like to have like, like to think all the time about like how messed up your life is. And Rogue is like, she says like literally since I've been like 13 and, you know, basically sucking the life out of people. um, I have known how messed up like my life is. And every single day is like a reminder of how like messed up my life is. And Bobby's, you know, like Bobby's comeback is childish where it's just like, Oh yeah, well, you're fighting with your boyfriend, yeah. and like, like if, if if you want people, you know, a, a big arc with Bobby is Bobby wanting people to take him like seriously and to treat him like an adult, basically. And it's like, 
Well, if you want to be like treated like an adult and like want people to take like your complaints and issues seriously, don't act like a child. Like that's yeah. a really like childish response. Um, yeah. That, no, that is a really good interpretation of, of the scene. And I also think we'll see their relationship play out because I think these two can be honest with each other and they can read themselves in a way that maybe it wouldn't land well if it was someone else on the team. Because later on, once they're done with Age of Apocalypse, Bobby and Rogue will go on a road trip together. They will have a special rapport between them and and they'll lean into this friendship. So this is kind of like the beginnings of that friendship and and they're hard on each other. And I think both of them walk away from the scene doing some introspection. Obviously we get it with Bobby later on in this issue. And then with Rogue, we will see it in the Rogue miniseries, which I think they call out will begin in November of of the year this is published. And that's a great series. That was actually one of the first comics i collected religiously was that rogue series rogue series yeah so yeah so that was a fun i listen i i just loved this issue so much but this scene in particular i thought was just fun i love that they read themselves to filth there bobby's that friend who like is always just like like pulling like pulling pranks and like doing other stuff and it's like sometimes it's funny but it's other times just like dude you're like 35 like Like it, it's it's not it's not like it's not funny. It's not cute. Like you're you're unemployed. You're 35. Like get get your shit together. Get your shit together, Bobby. Uh, and then we come to like the Psylocke, um, the Psylocke chapter, which most of it is like a a psychic like training session between um betsy and uh gene um and if like if you're if you're joining us and like you're you're only really familiar with like the x-men in the current sort of era like in this era betsy is in uh canon's body um which is why she's yeah so um, that's what's going on here. Uh, if you're if you're sort of newer to the character, um, sh- they they shared a body for a while, um, basically up until fairly recently. And um, you know, Jean here is trying to um, help her sort of refine her psychic abilities because she's been relying very heavily on like Quinon's ninja hand trains <laughs> the um, psychic blade the psychic blade uh, abilities and um it's like it's 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 an interesting like look at like the gene and Psylocke relationship um where uh, you know like Betsy flirt was flirting in the previous issues with Scott and she licked she licked oil off of Scott's face. (laughs) I mean, that is a kind of flirting. (laughs) (laughs) And Cyclops Uh, was all about it. You know, he loves that kinky shit. (laughs) Yeah, he was was probably just like, "Hey, are you a clone of my wife?" Because uh, (laughs) this is doing it for me. I guess you had a body swap, so like I'm still into it. <laughs> I have a body swap fetish. 
Yeah, it's 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 not cheating if you're in somebody else's body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I really this was a really fun chapter as well. First, to note though, Psylocke has recently cut off ten inches of her hair, and it's very short. I don't think we ever see this haircut again. It is so short lived. I mean, she was having her 2007 Britney moment. Like, yeah. her, <laughs> let her do it. She cut her hair. But she, you know, Jean addresses that flirtation with Betsy. And Betsy blames it on, like, Quanin's influence. But then she's here like, oh, but LOL, I actually found Scott really attractive. And Jean's like, yeah, I know. I married the guy. And then goes to, like, really, like, attack Psylocke. But apparently it was such a like strong hit that it takes him out of the psychic plane. And and that's the reason why I love Gene so much, because, you know, even after they're done with this like fighting sequence and she came for Betsy, she's like, hey, Betsy, you're actually doing like really good. Like, congratulations on, on how far you've come. But that's like the Gene I love. She's a little vindictive. She's extremely powerful, but she's also like, caring and and nurturing and and she'll be shady when she needs to be shady but you know cyclops comes in and then uh the girls go off they're like haha bye cyclops have fun training with like saber tooth and you know you can tell that like there are two things in the scene that i inferred from like the subtext one cyclops is like wow this is like my ultimate fantasy right now like gene and betsy getting along and here i am but also, I think he was also nervous about them kind of like chatting and talking and, you know. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's not coming in like, oh, hey, ladies, I'm all oily. Does anyone want to lick this off? Um, but look at him there. Look look how he walks in. Like, he's coming in with that energy. Like, he sees them both in there. He's like, oh, my wife and like this really, really beautiful ninja. Like, you know, that, that licked oil off of my face at one point, you know. Yeah, and, and like it, it's, um, you know, I like when I engaged, sort of seriously engaged with the X Men. It was like the dawn of like the um, sort of like the Morrison era Scott and Emma stuff. And it's like to me, it, it's always interesting when it's like it's Scott Gene and like Gene is like very understand, like is understanding and is talking it out with like. Um, Psylocke and then I think like what would Emma do in the situation and it's just like Emma Emma would turn into a diamond and like slap a bitch <laughs> and um, like, so it, it, it was it was it was nice it was nice to see like the dynamic between like Jean and Psylocke and like the X-Men acting like adults um, it's going they're, they're a little weird you know and I think that's something that people have appreciated about the Krakoan age the x-men are a little weird again you know with their interpersonal relationships yeah. and and i and i do appreciate that quite a bit the the next chapter though the gambit chapter first of all i love remy's look in here i like i would i have worn this to brunch in hell's kitchen this this, this is like this is like tasteful night at the eagle like look <laughs> like he's, he's got the boots he's got the the jorts the gloves it's like the saints jersey it's a look yeah. um he looks so hot i was just like yes mr remy lebeau have your way <laughs> however you want it but he comes in 
Cyclops is babysitting Sabretooth and Sabretooth is in the danger room and uh, Remy comes in and he's like, oh, Gene needs your, your help because you guys are moving into, I think at the time they're moving into the boathouse. They just yeah. got married. So they're going to the boathouse and he's here like, Gene needs your help with furniture. And Cyclops is just like, okay, great. Bye. <laughs> Literally doesn't even question it. He's not like, oh, I just saw Gene, really. Yeah. He's just like, okay, great. And then Remy turns on the danger room on uh, like the highest level, critical force level. And Sabretooth is like, what the fuck? <laughs> and boom. Sabretooth has history with everybody, but he does have like history with both Gambit and Rogue. And just to see like the antagonism between like Gambit and Sabretooth. Um, it's like these tensions are especially with Sabretooth, who's trying to kill everybody in the X-Men at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, an, an extra fun detail is Gambit's uh, Saints jersey is, in fact, vintage. Uh, mm-hmm. When they show his back, it says Manning on it, and that is not Peyton or Eli Manning. That is their father, Archie Manning, who was the quarterback for the Saints in the 70s. Oh, that's a really good one. Yeah, there's, there's my mass trivia for the day. So Sabretooth is with the X-Men because of uh, Generation X. He was with Banshee and Emma. So that's why he's here. With that's why he's there. Yeah. So following the Phalanx Covenant, which this issue takes place directly after, he is with them because he helped um, Jubilee, Emma, and Banshee. But they still treat him sort of like he's a prisoner, kind of. Like, like they need somebody there to keep an eye on him <laughs> um you know i mean you do you you do um, you. you do you and then like we we come to the the interlude interlude one um which is very 90s um it is adam x um doing adam x stuff trying to get some information from um uh, Riking in prison, and it's just like, okay, yeah, you're doing your your Adam X stuff here. He's so hot, Adam X in this, like that long Fabio hair, his legs crossed. He has like a pen in his hand, like she's ready to take down some notes because she is on this like mission to find out about Project Black Womb. And uh, it's specifically trying to hunt down Milberry. So Milberry turns out to be Mr. Sinister. And Project Black Womb will come into play again in Endangered Species issue number eight, I believe. Deep cut. Deep cut. Uh, issue number eight. And it shows, an, uh, it shows a photo of Sinister, Juggernaut's dad, and Xavier's dad. So both dads are there. And Irene Atler, Destiny. And so Project Black Womb was uh, this experiment on mutant babies. And it's pretty dark. And they, they finally explored in uh, an endangered species. But why Adam X is after uh, Project Black Womb and coming to Riking. Oh, and Riking's dad is in it too. But why he's doing all this and trying to hunt down Milbury never gets resolved. This is an open plot point that yeah. will never 
ever have any resolution and why Adam X is going, it's because he's doing Adam X things because, because she's a hero and she needs to like go around saving she's, things. She's a renegade. You can't like contain <laughs> that. Like, Oh my gosh, she is Renenza Lamas. That's exactly what she is. Oh my God. God, she's so... And look, do you notice she has like her little gym bag too because she's going to the gym afterwards. It's it's 1993. She's going to Gold's Gym. She's going <laughs> to, you know, big weight belt. Um, I also, I love Riking's like the, the headpiece mm-hmm. thing. It's like, if you're in jail, just like, like look good. Look good like, while good you're look. doing it. Yeah. But yeah, so that's that's why Adam X is here. I guess this was supposed to be a much bigger thing than it actually was. But um, yeah, Project Black Womb for for those at home, it is uh, a project that experimented on mutant babies. And Nathan Milbury turns out to be Mister Sinister, and then we got Juggernaut and Xavier's dads there, and we have Irene Adler in there as well. So Yato Savez. Our next, our next chapter is Xavier, and yeah. he's speaking with Bishop. And this is following the Phalanx Covenant, where Banshee des- deleted all the Xavier protocols. And, you know, Xavier's like, I wish Banshee hadn't done this, because now I've lost everything. And Bishop is like, you didn't back up like your Xavier protocols. No. Like, like, come on. I know it's the 90s, but you have this advanced tech here. Well, on top of that, he's just like, oh, I'm so mad that Banshee did exactly what I instructed him to do in this situation. Curse him. And it's like, bitch, that was his job. You told him to do this. You told him to do that. Like, that's what he had to do. If not, like, the entire next generation of mutants were going to be hunted by the failings and assimilated. Or, I'm sorry, the mutants couldn't be assimilated, but they would have been, you know, captured by, by the failings. So, you know, Xavier talks about Comcast. And how Comcast is the like techno equivalent to psychics, where every data he can like read, download, and process. And Xavier is hoping that Comcast will have a backup of his protocols buried somewhere deep inside of him. I don't yeah. I don't know if this story ever gets followed up on. I don't I don't know if they ever find Comcast and they're like, hey, did you back up like the Xavier protocols? I know by the time Onslaught comes in, the Xavier protocols are up and running once more. Yeah. Um it that's that's also like like com Comcast is a really deep um deep cut and like I I I don't know if we really I don't think we've seen him on Krakoa. Krakoa no, I don't think all. he's on Krakoa yet. Um, and I get confused with Game Master and Comcast. I didn't know they were two separate characters until like last year. Yeah, he's, um, isn't he, no, he goes by like Black Box now or something. Oh, just, yeah. Yeah, I, I, know, I know he's originally like a, um, He's a Deadpool antagonist who they just kind of bring in briefly. Um, and yeah, I, I honestly do not think this plot line really gets um, resolved. I think, like you said, it's just by the time Onslaught comes, it's just, it's back. Um, and we just don't question. And yeah. yeah, we just don't question it. It's back. And then this this little chapter ends with Xavier hovering away, telling Bishop to clean up the mess. 
<laughs> so fuck you. <laughs> like what it, a fucking diva. This the scene has all the Xavier beats. Um, blaming other people for his mistake. <laughs> um, he was really sloppy with the setup. Didn't back anything up. Um, and he's just like, oh yeah, I'll find this mutant, see if he's got it. And then, oh yeah, clean all this shit up. I'm gonna go, I don't know, think about Gene or something. And Bishop is warning him, saying this man is a potential threat to our security and everything. And Bishop, who is from the future and literally an enforcer in the future, like is t- giving you security advice for free, Xavier. And you're Are like, you- no, no, nonsense. Like my ah. Shi'ar tech will like prohibit him from like actually reading the files. Like, no, listen to listen to Bishop. And instead, Xavier's like, OK, now you can clean up the mess you didn't make in my room. Bye. Yeah, and like it's 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 the classic, um, like you know, people like it, it's almost like a meme. How like I know it has become a meme of like how like destructive Xavier is, but like you you really get like in this scene for me like just really strong hints of like his arrogance, particularly in this era. You know, in like the lead up to like onslaught and other things where it's like you know, Bishop is literally trying to warn you. And like you said, it's like, he's literally from the future. And you're just like, yeah, I'm not going to listen to it. Uh, so why don't you clean up? Um, I'm going to go do whatever and uh, find this mutant who is named after a cable company. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> and bah, like literally bah. hovers away. Like, God, fuck you. Xavier. Anyways. God, imagine, imagine like you're 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 a mutant and you have to come up with like a name for yourself and you're just like, yeah, I'm gonna name myself after the cable company. Yeah, I'll be Comcast. You can be AT and T. Or what was another one back in the day? Southern Bell. I'll be Southern yeah, Bell. Southern Bell. That's um, that's Rogue's alias. <laughs> oh no. Uh, well, and, and you know, and then we we sort of come to actually for for like Age of Apocalypse the super important part of this book and it's this brief brief interlude uh that is legion um in hospital in tel aviv um he's got i think they're they're psychic yeah psychic crystalline figures of xavier and magneto and you can see in the background the other x-men and um you know he's he's in a he's in a coma and um, it's like it, it goes through some of like the, the very brief beats where like he killed Destiny during one of the times that she died, and um, you know Destiny or appears sort of a figment of his uh, his thoughts, and basically is like she she sort of lays the groundwork for his whole thing that sets off the age of apocalypse, which is, uh, you know, if only your father had given a real chance to fulfill his dream and basically like, hadn't been so foiled by like Magneto and, you know, whoops. Um, <laughs> whoops. Yeah. Whoops. This is, this is the beginning of age of apocalypse right here. So, you know, he wakes up and he has that vision of destiny. I guess it's never really fully explained if it's just him 
making, you know, just having this vision or if she's actually in his mind, I think he's absorbed other people at this point in in continuity. So it it is purposely vague, but, you know, destiny, our, our favorite now resurrected, you know, mutant with amazing thighs is, is the one who's responsible for kicking off the age of apocalypse. And a long time ago, back in like, 1990 like six or something like that when i was doing research on age of apocalypse on like my dial-up computer there there was a song for age of apocalypse that was to rem's uh it's the end of the world as we know it and it's like that's great it starts with mystique destinies of vision and i never understood it until i read this issue because i i forgot that legion gets that uh, vision of, of of destiny. Well, so I love this tremendously. Yeah. And, and you know, destiny says that she she saw this. Yeah, like she's seen this. And again, like I don't know if this is Legion or if this is like destiny in Legion's head is one of his you know the personalities that he's absorbed. But like she's she's seen it. <laughs> Yeah, I. by the way, I have Googled endlessly the lyrics to that uh, version of It's the End of the World as We Know It. I cannot find it, but by the end of our read, I'm going to recreate that. It might have gone the way of, like, GeoCities and just, <laughs> you know. It was part of, like, a little, like, web ring, you know, the website. But they, they took that song, they took the lyrics, and they tailored it to the Age of Apocalypse. And that's why... I always think of Age of Apocalypse when I listen to REM or 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 that song. So were you on your your like your little gateway computer in <laughs> Miami on Netscape Navigator? Yes. Like, oh man, those were the days. But anyways, so the next chapter is the Sabretooth chapter. And it's picking up where the Gambit chapter ended where you know Sabretooth is like what are you doing to me Summers like this danger room sequence is like all over the place I can't do it and he finds out it's Remy and he's here like oh it's you and they both start fighting and the art is wonderful there's a whole spread where Gambit is like has his staff on Sabretooth's face it ends with like you know, Rogue overhearing the fight where he's, you know, Gambit's talking about like how he just wants to be happy with Rogue and that he's purposely tearing them apart. And Rogue's like, is that why we're fighting and all this stuff? And she says like, well, until we both accept what we've done in our lives, we're not going to be able to be happy. And, and sort of she she walks out. And again, it sets up the Rogue Limited series. And, you know, there's a lot of subtext in this scene because you know, Gambit played a huge role in the mutant massacre and no yes. one knows that yet, but Creed does. And Creed also killed one of his friends. Yeah. I have Sabretooth with a little line. What are you afraid of boy? Me spilling something more sinister. So, you know, it's hinted at here that they have that really long, complicated relationship. It's interesting to see Gambit just sort of go like, like off on him like this like it, it it's it's gambit like taking out this um like the rage and like the aggression and you know rogue rogue is like surrounded by these men who can't just actually like deal 
with their the problem they just like outlets in like other like like bobby pulling his stupid his pranks his prank turning the pool into ice and then like gambit rather than actually like dealing with his situation with rogue is just going to start a fight with like creed rogue rogue is basically just like we it's never going to work unless we actually like deal with our problems and like again she's like the only one of the few people there who's actually just like yeah like don't be an idiot um i just i love the art here i love how she walks in she's wearing like her freaking like mary janes i mean gambit again looks hot as fuck and you know she's just like you know they're not gonna work together as a couple and unless they figure it out spoilers they really don't figure it out for a long long time long time the krakoan age right now where they're married and semi-functional like it took a minute to get there and but this is why you love them in the 90s this this scene right here you know and and you and they did it right they they basically just took somebody else's wedding did it and God, like the true did. hot mess couple that they are they're like <laughs> might as well get married like they got the fancy dishes out let's just do it that's open, perfect I mean, open bars already paid for <laughs> like they're like everything's and, on kitty <laughs> yeah because <laughs> oh, colossus they, isn't making income off of his art <laughs> like we know that so we know kitty no. paid for the entire wedding so she was she had mistress of the of the school at that point I think she may have been. Yeah, she either was or just stepped down. And yeah, like Peter, he doesn't have two rubles to rub together, so <laughs> it's it's all it's his all Etsy either. store was tanking. So, but yeah. but Kitty <laughs> Kitty had that Xavier legacy money for running the school at the uh, time. And then and then we come uh, to the Bobby section, um, where Bobby has now actually gotten into Hank's lab. Um, where Hank is working upside down with samples of legacy virus, which again, I'm not a scientist, but like maybe you don't hold the deadly virus like upside down in the test tubes and right in front you know, of your hey, friend, right in front, in front of your friend. friend, in front of your friend. But you know, but again, I'm not a scientist. Um, and then <laughs> you know, Bobby's in his sort of like jagged ice form and um you know he basically like he tells hank's rambling about science and like bobby's like could you just like dumb it down for like an accountant accountant <laughs> because like bobby drake is an accountant he is a certified cpa and like there's a tendency to like write bobby as kind of stupid but um he's you know he's he's got He's got a degree. He's got credentials. Um, and like Hank explains what's going on with the legacy virus. And um, he kind of calls Bobby out like Bobby's throwing a conversation. And Bobby just out of nowhere goes, am I a loser, Hank? And it's like, oh, OK, well, this is sort of like a little awkward. Uh, you're not, but you're kind of a self-pitying like whiner. <laughs> and um and you know then hank's like but you know i haven't been a great friend i've been locked in here doing upside down science so let's go 
out, let's go get dinner, all and you know, like Bobby's actually getting to spend time with like one of his oldest friends, which is good probably for everybody. Um he still calls him his his Hank calls him his bestest little buddy, and it's oh. again like like yeah, uh you're, he's he's like twenty five. Like Yeah, like stop it. Stop it. Yeah, you know, this scene it, it, it was an interesting scene. I so he calls him, you know, Frost, um, call, calling him Robert Frost, and I guess it has triple meaning, obviously, with the poet, uh, Robert Frost. Uh, second, that he's frosty. Uh, third, his name is Robert, and then like maybe because of Emma and Emma Frost, like I don't know what he was trying to do there. I mean, there were so many layers there, but I was like, okay. But what I really liked about it was that Bobby was reaching out and 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 he was vulnerable and this and this line right here i'm a lame excuse for a human being and as emma frost so painfully pointed out to everyone as a mutant too and i was like my heart really broke for bobby there and i was just like so this is how bobby sees himself he makes all these jokes he's a certified accountant but he makes all these jokes and it's because he's so painfully insecure for himself. And that's why when people are like, oh, Bobby coming out and, you know, modern Bobby, like, where did this come from? Like, it's right here. I mean, this isn't specifically LGBTQIA plus slanting, but his insecurity as an individual is right here. And I think it really humanizes him quite a bit. And and I loved it. And and they this is a scene also where they talk about the legacy virus inflicting humans and 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 how it's morphed into three different strains but i like that they're going to harry's hideaway which is uh, a location in westchester that comes up quite a bit for them and that's where they hang out but um it was very cute and bobby bobby makes hank pay Uh, (laughs) literally yeah yeah he literally is like can you pay like i guess like that's just like the beat in the story that like even though bobby wants to change he's still that lovable goofy guy even though he's an accountant he would probably be really good at managing his money you'd think um i I guess there's a reason why he's not a practicing accountant how about that yeah uh i also feel like xavier probably gets him to do like the institute's books because xavier is seems like the kind of guy who would be cheap on with certain things. So it's just like, Oh, Hey, I'm just going to get Bobby to do it. <laughs> just um, get Bobby to do it. Just get Bobby to do it. And, and then, and then we come on that note, we come final to the final bit, the epilogue, um, which is sort of a mirror of the first scene uh, where it's Gene, uh, Scott and the professor outside the um, looking at the sign, the Xavier Institute for higher learning and um, you know, it it, it kind of hits the one of the same notes that the the prologue does, where they're um, you know Xavier's like wondering if the change actually means anything. If um, you know, it, it, he he asks like, "Am I deluding myself?" Or you know, does his goal of like coexistence seem like it's it's getting you know real like real or more real with each day yeah and you know i think it's a fair question that he asks himself and you know it's they're at a point now where they've survived so much and so different from everything they've gone through and i like that gene is like of course it does you know of course our goals will be met one day and xavier's like 
well, what are we going to do then? I guess I'll be a barber. Ha ha ha. And that's sort of where like the issue ends. And I guess it's funny because Xavier is bald. But, you know, I thought I thought it was a really cute scene and I liked it mirrored that. I think it it's Xavier to get a good hard look at everything he's built so far. And is it worth it in the end? You know, are they going to get where they need to? And all I can say, Xavier, it's going to it's going to be a long fucking road. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, buckle up, buckle up. So what did you think of the issue in general? Um, I thought it was it was good. Um, it's it's fairly like I said earlier, it's fairly self-contained. Um, it, it it is a it's a nice sort of set up with the legion interlude for the main story and like it does hit a lot of the notes of like that i associate with like 90s x-men where there there is like there's the emotional drama there's the you know relationships between like people at the institute like there's the scott and gene dynamic and then there's like the psylocke with you know gene and scott and um you know the the Remy and uh, Rogue stuff, and like it really hits a lot of those beats, including like Bobby's insecurity, which um, is really a big issue throughout a lot of the '90s and um, the '80s too. Like there's the Iceman miniseries in the '80s, and a lot of that is even just like Bobby, like Bobby's insecure, and we really don't see Bobby move on from the insecurity until the 2000s. Um, And even like, you know, it's, it's classic Hank. And I just like, I I really enjoyed um, just the the sort of the feel of the the issue. If that makes sense. No, I mean the feel, that's exactly how I would describe my feelings as well. It's just like the vibe, vibe of the issue. That's it. It's, it's nineties. It's classic nineties. Something big is on the horizon and, yeah. you know, the X-Men, this is probably one of the few instances where they have some downtime and it's all about the interpersonal relationships. And I think that's what a lot of readers bond with, with the X-Men is, is how they interact with, with each other and how you can see yourself and your friends in it. But yeah, I like the issue very much. I love, love, love the vision of Destiny, and I love that that's our first starting point for Age of Apocalypse right there, folks. We're getting there. So, folks, you let us know what you thought of X-Men issue number 38. Feel free to DM either of us. And before we go, we actually have a round of listener questions. Are you ready for these, Scott? I, I am always ready. Okay. Okay. So we asked folks, since this was our first time recording together, to send in some some listener questions. And our first listener question is, what writer do you think would give us the best Onslaught story? Um, <laughs> I, I mean, do, do you want to lead off? Do you want to... Yeah. Uh, I mean, specifically yet. listen, I'm a crazy Onslaught stan. I, I will die on that mount for Onslaught. I think, I don't think there's anyone who could tell us a better Onslaught story than the original writers of yeah. the nineties. It is, listen, I love Onslaught very much, so much. It's not a good story. It is, it is, it is really 
dense. It's very convoluted. It's very 90s. It's something that could have only happened at a certain time or place. Obviously, we saw Cy Spurrier trying to tell another Onslaught story. We've seen other people try to tackle the idea of Onslaught. It's, listen, it's something that's best enjoyed in the in the in the 90s with Jeff Loeb, Scott Lobdell, Mark Wade, everyone, you know, who contributed to it. It's it's that's how I would say the best onslaught, you know, story I, would come from. Yeah, I, I would agree. Um, it's it's very hard conceptually um, to do another onslaught story um, without just retreading the original. And I think just sort of letting letting the original stand, um, like you said, Cy, Cy Spurrier's story spinning out of like Way of X, um, you know, it, it worked within the context of Way of X and like Krakoa. Um, you know, I, I think just let the original sort of stand. Uh, I think it's one of those those stories that you just don't revisit. Yeah, it's like, you know, like Dark Phoenix, for example. Dark Phoenix wouldn't really work in today's world anymore. And, you know, they try to do the Dark Angel saga during Remender's X-Force. And it just, certain stories like that just don't land the way they used to in a certain time or place. So I would leave Onslaught as is, but if anyone has any other thoughts or feels, we're we're happy to hear them. them. Send them our way. Our next question is, what's happening in the Savage Land? Uh, I mean, in in general, or <laughs> specifically, uh, yeah, I yeah, uh, climate change, uh, climate change, everything. So I did. So I googled Savage Land the other day, and I didn't know like in the Marvel universe, it's protected by their version of the UN, like the yeah. Savage Land. They're like, wow, there are dinosaurs there. We should protect this land. So, you know. A lot happens in the Savage Land in Age of Apocalypse. I don't want to spoil it here, but Excalibur is that is that the name of the series with Nightcrawler? Yeah, yeah. Um, they, I, I mean, I I didn't know if this was referring to um, Age of Apocalypse Savage Land or the Savage Land right now, and like connection <laughs> connection with Krakoa because there is you know the tie-in to. Um, like Krakoa and Colossus. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, you're um, absolutely right. So, I, it like the, I, th- I think, it, I mean, the current Krakoan status quo, it's like they they are growing some of the drugs in yeah. um, the Savage Land. And I know, like, there's, there's stuff with, um, not Orcus, um, some of like the pharmaceutical rivals mm-hmm. and like other stuff. And, you know, like um, P- uh, Colossus is there in the Savage Land and it's helping them to grow the, the, the drugs and stuff. Um, I mean, beyond that, uh, we'll probably see as the story continues. I'm sure, I know the farms are probably going to be attacked in the Savage Land. Is I think they've been hinting at that. Um, we'll see. I hope that vaguely answers the question. There's an answer somewhere in there. But yeah, the Savage Land is still playing a major role in, in the X-Books. I, um, I also forget that like Colossus had a son and, with a woman in the Savage Land, and we just like, we never... 
never followed up on that ever never again. yeah um so like i i would just have like random mutants like going to visit like savage land and there's just like a native savage lander who's like seven feet tall and like metal and just like nobody questions it just like oh yeah okay there's there there he is yeah like there he is yes oh my god that would be hysterical other plot threads that just haven't gone anywhere yeah uh exodus exclamation point that's it uh, he is a mutant. He's on the Quiet Council. Um, he voted to bring back Destiny in Inferno. Um, his mystique sways him by appealing to his religious uh, views and sensibilities and restoring a prophet to her native land. And um, yeah, I... I I, I think Exodus is a really fascinating character um, just because he, he, he fills like a, a niche of being like an ancient, an old mutant, um, like not apocalypse level ancient, but like he was a crusader. He was a religious holy warrior and you see it like in the Krakoan era in particular where he's like teaching the kids and like um about like you know uh scarlet witch and stuff and um pretender, like, I think, pretender. pretender yeah and the kids are all like chanting and, like, <laughs> he's, he's he's one of the big drivers behind like the crucible and stuff and um i think he's a really interesting character like i i don't know if there's more to say about him in answering this beyond like um a lot yeah, of people free. are excited for him. And I the the main, you know, when people are talking about like who murdered the Scarlet Witch, the main response most people give, like, oh, it's gotta be Exodus. So, yeah. It was a guy, somebody with a white cape, and yeah. like he does wear a white cape, but then on the other hand, Inferno is after um the trial of Magneto, and he's still clearly on the the council. So I don't I don't yeah, know. I, I don't, wait and see. Um, wait, yeah, he, w- w- wait and see on that. So our next question is: Do you think Moira's powers allowed her to retain her Age of Apocalypse memories, like Frenzy? And by the way, oh. this is a reference to Frenzy in Age of X, where it was kind of like a Mike Carey Age of Apocalypse style crossover, but it was very self-contained. And Frenzy at the end of it is able to remember her life there in which she was in a relationship with Cyclops. So um, I don't know. I, you know, I, I vaguely remember Moira in age of apocalypse. I know she's on the human council. Yeah. Let's one, as we go through the issues, that's definitely some, we're going to be watching Moira. Let's see if there's anything that they can pull off from from the story and make it you know relevant in today's comics with her yeah um i think i i mean she well in the age of apocalypse we'll see but she is on the human high council she's married to um trask oh i forgot about that yeah um but i i you know part of this is like reflect marvel's internal 
some of Marvel's internal editorial decisions were like originally the Age of Apocalypse was like a one and done thing where it was it overwrote the 616 timeline and then when it ended it went back thank um, you for saying that i'm so in love with you right now yes thank you i'm in love with me too uh, <laughs> everyone forgets but, that everyone thinks yeah. in the marvel legends that just came out they call the age of apocalypse an alternate future other places call it an alternate reality obviously later on when it comes back you know it is a it different is. reality but it's not it was originally 616 rewritten so this was the 616 universe time had changed the past had changed and therefore the present had changed but this was still the 616 universe but yeah but now it's earth uh 295 and like i don't know if they still internally consider like this overwrote 616 and is it did oh, briefly if, if that was Earth 295 overwriting 616 or if this was like a parallel thing and now, but like, I, I don't, I don't know if Moira simply because it could be now an alternate Earth yeah. and also Moira's had 10, 10 lives and they're all also possibly parallel Earths <laughs> depending on your view. So um, long story short, Possibly. Possibly. Let's see. Let's see where it goes. I still want an explanation. Did she have the legacy virus, like officially as a mutant? But let's see. And and it was Charles scared when she got the legacy virus? Because if she died, everything would have gone rebooted. But let's see. There's a lot of questions with Moira they haven't answered yet. Our next, well, it's not a question. It's just sort of a bold, harsh statement, which is maybe Charles should have stayed dead. Hmm. Ooh, that's that's bold. Mm. Um, mm. Mm. You know, Chuck, Chuck's Chuck's got some more life in him, and um, but just like if Xavier had died, we wouldn't have gotten like you know two more decades of shitty behavior by Charles <laughs> Xavier, and, and and so many stories that spin out of that. Yeah, um, I mean, listen, New X Men and, and Cassandra Nova that that was a pretty good story. Onslaught, you know, we got Onslaught out of it. It's, you know, I, mm, yeah. I mean, listen, he's not a nice guy. I, I'm looking forward to what's going to happen at the end of Inferno. I think Emma's going to be taking Xavier's place, and I'm here for it. I'm here for that. Age of Apocalypse warned us why Colossus and Shadowcat will never end well. That is a spoiler. I mean, it's. It's kind of a, you know, 30, almost 30 year plus spoiler, but we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Mm. Uh, Magneto had longer hair than Joseph in reference to Magneto's Age of Apocalypse look. It was a different time. I mean, people like hair was bigger. Shoulder pads were bigger, Um, you know. Listen, daddy with a long hair, I'm all here for it. I am here for it. Listen, I love I love extreme with this long hair. I love the long hair of the 90s. And I and I love Joseph. So so you know Magneto having that long, beautiful, silky silver hair going all the way down to his like butt. I'm here for it. I'm like, yes, dystopian daddy. Here's a fun question. Most slash least favorite age of apocalypse series. 
That's tough. Um, I, I, my, my favorite's easy. Uh, I'm a big fan of um, uh, Excalibur. Um, with the, the X Excalibur. Um, I, I love like. Oh, it's such a good. It's good. I can't wait to get into that. Yes. Oh yeah. I, and I love like I'm. I mean, it's on the art. I love like Age of Apocalypse, like Nightcrawler, and like his whole dynamic with like Mystique and um, team. And I just I yeah. Um, least least favorite. I don't really have like like a least favorite. I'd say probably like Gam is a Gambit and the Externals. Externals. Yeah. Um, just because like. I, out of the, the main plots, that one kind of gripped me the least. But um, they're all they're all pretty good. Um, X Man's fun. I mean, I you know that's your Nate Gray stuff. Um, Generation Next, Factor X, like they they're all really good books. But for me, probably uh, tops uh, Excalibur. Yeah, I think Excalibur is a lot of fun. I can't wait till we get into Excalibur. Favorite? Oh, I'm going to say Gambit and the Externals. I will say that's oh, probably okay. my favorite. Yeah, I liked it. I liked that one so much. And that was on my last reread, which was like years ago. My least favorite? You know, I thought Factor X was kind of hard to get through when I was reading it. Factor X and Weapon Weapon X. Weapon X, Weapon X might actually, yeah, be the weakest. It's very... Um, some of it's, like, disconnected, where it's just like, oh, here's the mutant, like, uh, the human high council, and, like, mm -hmm. here's, like, even edgier Wolverine. <laughs> even um, edgier Wolverine. Even edgier Wolverine. And, um, it's it's just, by no yeah. means, like, bad but i remember and it ties into the plot significantly i think yeah, all yeah. the books feed into a plot and i think that's why it's such a good good over overarching event but like yeah i remember factor x and weapon x i was kind of like reading it like okay i want to get back to you know another another series but no i really i, I don't want to spoil anything for people who haven't heard or, or like read it yet but gamma and the externals will be my favorite and i'll explain why once we get there all right and our last well, it's, again, it's a more of a statement, and it's a very nice statement. I am so stoked for this reread. You can't tell because my face doesn't move, but I am very, <laughs> very stoked. I, my face is starting to move, so I made a dermatologist appointment to get Botox tomorrow <laughs> at 9 a.m., and I just got a confirmation that my appointment went through. So I will join real, you in not moving my face next, next, next week, but... No, thank real, you. Real Emma Frost energy. Uh, real Emma but... Frost. It's some high Emma energy there. But guys, thank you so much for those questions. We'll solicit questions weekly and feel free to read along with us. We are going to post a graphic that's being uh, done right now and hopefully be, be finished by the time this episode airs on our reading guide and the issues Scott and I selected. Get right excited on. because it's the age of apocalypse. Um, <laughs> Scott is wiggling his fingers. That's how excited yes. he is. But guys, this is Scott's first episode with us. Throw him some mad love. Scott, where can the folks at home find you? You can find me at Mr. Scott Free uh, on both Instagram and Twitter. And uh, yeah, you know, tell me, tell me your thoughts about Correct. this. Yeah. And, uh, you know, 
thoughts, concerns. Um, Guys, everyone should be messaging Mr. Scott Free asking why isn't Wanda in Age of Apocalypse? Like, please send him all those. He loves getting Wanda questions. <laughs> um, it, oh, so much. Um, <laughs> And and hopefully we'll be talking about Wanda with a very special guest in a, in a couple of weeks as well. We're excited for that. <laughs> and we do have the Art of Lucas shirt that's available right now on Red Bubble. Look at Mr. Scott Free sporting it right there. Oh yeah, the girls um... <laughs> showing the girls. She works hard on those girls. So throw again some love his way for that and uh and, and we do have a patreon go go sponsor the patreon please there's a lot of fun stuff there and you can hit me up on power of x-men on instagram and only on twitter when uh when instagram goes down we will be back next week with x factor number 108 and it is a mystique story so we got destiny in this one we got mystique in the next so get excited get excited